0: This latest podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, Focal USA and the Council on Queen West. Also, be sure to register your email address on our website, centerofthesection.com,
1: for all our weekly updates directly to your inbox.
0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Center of Leafs Nation podcast. I am uh, your fill-in host, Anthony Sino, uh, coming to you uh, in place of Pat today, who uh, who couldn't make it this week, unfortunately. But um, I have our good friend here, Sergio, who is uh, going to join me as we are in for another weekly discussion of the Leafs. And I know that uh, based on our group chat, team group chat, we are going to have some lively discussion. Uh, everything between line combinations, uh, Timothy Lilligren, Rasmus Sandin, and the goaltending—we're going to—we're going to hit it all here today. And uh, and I know based off, uh, obviously, we don't uh, release v- video of this podcast, but I can see Sergio smiling already after I run through our list of topics. So we are in for a doozy. Um, but first off, well, like we always do, Sergio, how you been keeping?
1: Uh is week been good, hopefully. I things are good. Things are good. good. I just got back from uh I just got back from California last awesome. night. Awesome. Nice so I was away with uh I was away with some family for a little while. Um I left on I, I left on the day that Kyle Duvis joined the team in Anaheim. So it started that started my little trip on a, on a good note. An, an early morning flight out of Toronto on October the 31st and uh, st- sitting down, listening to the Air Canada agent at the counter, rhyming off a bunch of names and the last name on their list to come to the counter, Kyle Dubis. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> laugh, oh, my God, having a laugh with some family. And then, lo and behold, four minutes later, you know, with a with this cap on, he walks up to the counter. And uh, we're sitting there chatting, saying, now, which – what general manager joins his team on the last day of a road trip? Was it after the game, Sergio, or was it, it was before, before? So he was flying because they were playing Anaheim later on that day, right? So very interesting. Uh, it was, it was, and it sparked some. It sparked some debate with uh, with the family. We thought that, oh no, you know, because at that yeah. point, right end yeah. of October, Leafs were having a horrible trip. They ended up losing to Anaheim, anyways, if I recall. Yeah. And and um, you know. It, he has Keith going to get fired. And then you're sitting there watching the general manager fly in on the last day of a road trip. I'm like, Oh shit, something's going down.
0: <laughs> it, was, it was. It's almost like you, you could, if you posted that, uh, that photo to Twitter or something, you could have been like that guy that was following the MLSE jet on right. the day that they hired Babcock. Oh, <laughs> that was, uh, oh, that, the, that, that gives me flashbacks. A little
1: bit. Uh, well, no, that's for sure.
0: Excuse me about that folks. That's an Amber alert going off. Uh-huh. um I mean, we're,
1: we're all getting it at the same time yeah i guess yeah. so
0: so anyway sorry about that but oh, uh good. okay good i'm glad to glad to hear that uh california was good uh it sounds like you had a better time in california than the toronto maple leafs
1: it wasn't uh, hard man <laughs> yeah
0: exactly a very low bar um oh, but very, very. uh but look it's i guess we'll start off with this is that it this past week it just goes to show you the the ebbs and flows of of a season, especially in this market. You have, you're coming home. You have a, I believe they, they had the day off on the Monday, the Halloween Monday, they practice on that Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And this is a time where just think back to a week ago, you got the, you got Marner got benched for a shift. You got, and, Keith, fit. <laughs> and, and you got Keith. Talking about uh, answering questions, does he feel his jobs in jeopardy? Right. You got Murray, who at the time was quoted. Uh, taught, Keith was quoted saying he's a ways away. Right. The defense couldn't make a breakout pass. The stars really haven't arrived uh, into the season. Let's call it. the The bottom six couldn't find a mix. There wasn't a mix that was working. It seemed like everything. And on top of all this, it just, even if they would have a good 10 minute stretch in a game, it felt like one mistake was ending up in the back of their net. And I think that that is very emblematic of that, the of the way that this team plays when it's good and they're humming, they look like a team that can't be beat but the way that they play when it's not going well and something does end up and one little mistake does end up in the back of the net, it looks like a snowball effect. And just like we we've said it before, compounding errors. So I think that it's just, it, it, uh, I I guess on, on that note, I want to just touch on how overall we, we as a, as fans, we get involved into the, into the thick of it on a day-to-day basis. What are we talking about? Who's on the hot seat? Who's on the cold seat? Whose job's in jeopardy? Mm-hmm. Whose job's safe? But it really does speak to the difference that how internally a team looks at it, like uh, looks at it, right? It just, it, show, it shows that you can't react, overreact to one week but you can't on, on a on the in a bad sense but you can't uh overreact in a good sense either right just because they got five or six points against three of the best teams in the national hockey league doesn't mean that we can determine that this team's going to do something in the playoffs right so
1: as we've seen the movie before right? we've, we, we that, have that's part of the narrative that we have offline in our chats right when we're talking about the fandom and how Twitter kind of goes crazy and all of that stuff, it's, but we've seen the movie before. The Leafs are going to October, and that's kind of what happened. And everyone's going to overreact because that's what we do. And then November rolls around, and then the Leafs are going to November because I've been using that a lot lately. And here you go. I mean, outside of last night's game, where in the third period, a couple of those compounding errors kind of crept up, likely cost them two points last night. Um, but it's, it's what they do. This is what this team does, right? This is it. So um, you can't overreact can't underreact and much to what you just said right now, because I think it's important. It doesn't mean that they're going to fail in the playoffs. It doesn't mean that they're going to succeed in the playoffs. We're going to have to wait till we get there to see if something changes. And we're going to probably touch upon this given there's no injury news, but given what we feel about the Muzzin situation in LTIR and how he may not come back, how that's going to open up a bit of a gap here um, at some point for Dubas to likely make an impactful trade um, that can change the look of this team a little bit and and maybe propel them, you know, uh to, to a potential playoff run. We don't know, but that that's the underlying the underlying theme of everything that we're saying here everything that we see on a game to game basis or even a week to week basis uh, nothing is going to suggest that it's going to make or break a difference come playoffs but you're interested in seeing the progression and and you know i you've said it i've said it you know we expected them to turn things around obviously right because mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's a team that doesn't matter how you slice it it it's got plenty of top end talent to do what they're currently doing we've seen them do it before so here they are, you know, doing it again, you know, like uh like groundhog day over and over, like at least are Novembering. Here we go. So Yep, that's that's um, the famous quote in the group chat, right? That's, now. that's what it is. Yeah. It's sure.
0: uh I think to to on that note, I think that w- what we're learning here is that um and and the Keefe has said this too, is that it was never gonna be as bad as as it looked, but there's still a ways to go. And I think where I think where these steps are, are need to be taken is, um, the, the, the issue is managing games that, the, that it seems like that's something that they want to put out there in the media. They've said it multiple times. They said it today in their media conference. They said it after the game against Vegas, too, is that elite teams need to know how to manage games, and when you're up three- two um, with a power play, the game should be over right even even if you don't score you need to create either momentum and i've said this countless times about this team before is recognizing the moment and it's what if i had to nitpick at something that this team frustrates me most at is that they don't recognize the moment it's that and and actually sorry they don't recognize the moment all the time And I guess maybe it's unfair to hold them to that standard that they will do that a hundred percent of the time, because I'm sure no team in the NHL over the course of an 82 game season is perfect at bringing the level of intensity that is required in that moment at that time. It just, I don't think that's a realistic uh, expectation, but the fact of the matter is you have a chance to get six to six in your home building And you have a power play guys stay out too long. They whiff on a puck and the whiff on the puck is like a sheer accident, I guess. Right. But the, when Nylander does that, you realize that they were on too long and if nothing was going, they probably should have changed. But even to take that one step further, it's, it's Mitch Marner going out for a skate in overtime where it's just a it's a mental breakdown at um, at three on three. And look, thank God that they don't play three on three overtime in the playoffs because I actually think that <laughs> Marner Marner and Matthews and Riley is a is drastically underperforms at that. But
1: a disastrous combination. If you it,
0: look it, at it it, you know. it, it it really is something that I think they struggle at because I don't see I don't Riley. The problem is that Riley as a defenseman has lately, usually he is not as bad as, as he has shown recently, but he is struggling to defend two on ones. And when you're on a three on in three on three, you're probably, you're going to have to face an odd man rush at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely, Yeah. And, yep. and it, it, it was a struggle there, but what made me a little bit frustrated about that over time is that it three on three is very simple in that you have to have your man. Now Mitch, Mitch loses that puck in the ozone and they go down and kind of the play breaks up and then Mitch chases a guy out to the neutral zone and and Theodore is kind of quick regrouping but Mitch immediately is like not looking for his guy which concerns me because it's a simple cut cut in and Theodore makes a very slick pass and you got a breakaway and, and there you go. And I guess karma is Karma had a funny way of working there because the Leafs gave up a lot of breakaways. That game that Shulgren backstopped, Yeah, uh, but he couldn't make the final save. So I think all of this to, is to say that Vegas is a perfect example of a team that Toronto will continue to struggle with unless that they either make a personnel change or they really start to buckle down on managing the puck when they're on breakouts. Now bear with me on this thought for a second, Sergio. So think br- let's get into an, a quick X's and O's conversation. Every Leafs breakout, and I've and this isn't just me think who thinks this, I followed a lot of people uh, that also are saying the same thing, specifically two guys that are former employees of the Leafs organization, Jack Han, former uh, guest on this podcast, and Cam Sharon, who's recently joined the Twitter sphere again since leaving the Leafs last year. And both should uh uh will uh are great twitter followers by the way for anyone who's listening these guys have explained it quite clearly that the leafs are a team that activates the weak side defenseman on every breakout as an outlet to push the puck up the ice right now where that becomes an issue is is that if you can imagine that the puck comes around let's say on the right side so let's let's just use the the first line as an example. The puck is, is is brought around and passed to Mitch Marner or rimmed around the boards to Mitch Marner on the right side. Mitch is looking for two options. He's looking to a bump play to or three options: a bump play to Austin in the middle of the ice. He is looking for a chip up the boards behind the pinching defenseman to the now Alex Kerfoot. We'll get into the line combos later, but the left winger right. on that line, mm-hmm. or He's looking for the weak side defenseman who in this case would be the left side defense the opposite side of where the puck is. So that's Morgan Riley, who's pushing the play up the ice. So where this could become an issue is it, it is a good strategy in theory, because you're giving yourself three options, maximizing your options to move the puck. But when you have a guy like bunting, who's already blowing the zone, at that point, to get that puck off the up the ice, and you have a great checking team like a Vegas, like even Montreal, mm-hmm. like a Carolina, who can make force Marner into making a very diff, force Marner into a very difficult situation where he doesn't make any of those three passes. You now have three guys that are in their mind saying get up the ice, and now have to deal with a turnover. Right. And this just doesn't have to happen at the hash marks. This could happen at the blue line or Mm -hmm. even the neutral zone red line. Like it's the same idea, just further up the ice. And it's got, I've noticed that it's gotten the Leafs into a lot of trouble. And I think that if they're going to continue along like this, they really need to focus more on puck management and if that's the case, maybe that means that you just have to chip it by the defenseman and have that far side winger that's cutting across go get it.
1: Make an easier and play.
0: Make an easier play. And I've noticed that, and throwing back to the, uh, the Anaheim game, the first pass that, the first goal that uh, Anaheim scores is Marner trying to make that bump pass into the middle. Right. And it's a quick turnover, and it's in the back of the net. So we're seeing this issue time and time again and i and i really don't know if it's a person a personnel thing or if it's just like a just a a, man, a puck management thing that they they're just not executing properly i'm interested to hear your thoughts on if you think that they need to change something maybe get more guys behind the puck but that's something that i think is really making them look bad against good forechecking teams
1: I mean, it comes down to. I don't want to say that it comes down to coaching. That's not really the 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 appropriate term here because I mean, Sheldon Keith puts a plan. It's part of it. It's part part of it, it, but when you're a coach of of players of this offensive ability, obviously you give some, you know, maybe a little bit more freedom than you would to players with a little bit less offensive ability so a little mm-hmm. bit more freedom to think and some of these plays are kind of drawn up perhaps with the thinking that you have players of a high skill set that can that can usually you would think in your head that can execute these type of plays where the coaching element comes back in is to what you're saying when it's not working or something you see kind of the same error happening a couple of times then then you need to coach it then you need to coach it in the sense of okay, guys, we need to simplify this play. So, you know, maybe it's working for a period of time. Stuff starts to go wrong. It's not working for a couple of games or you see, like I said, the same error happening. Then yes, then it comes on the coach to send the message to the players to say, okay, we need, we need to simplify this. And this comes through practice and other elements to say that can't keep doing the same thing, right? Now, part of it is a word that you used a little bit before, but focus, where... I think mm-hmm. that there are times in every game where a number of players on this team, like we could pretty much say it about the whole team, lacks focus. And that costs them in moments, right? Where compounding errors happen. And then these odd man rushes come into play and you're hanging the goalie out to dry. And we can get to the goalie situation a little bit because it's not your number one or your number two back there right now. It's, it's number, number
0: four. Three number, number four. four
1: sure right you you can't you can't leave that guy hanging out to dry as a, like if we used last night as an example I mean they they hung out chagarn quite a bit on mm-hmm. odd Ben rush's last night and ended up costing them the game so sometimes you have to take a look at the entire situation understanding who's behind you and perhaps this is a stretch maybe until Murray gets back that they need to simplify these plays so that it ends up, in less errors, right? It may not be as flashy, may not be as brilliant, may not be utilizing your top-end talent to their maximum potential. But sometimes the simpler play can still result in a goal, right? So, and that's 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 the mo, right? The mo is to put the puck in the other net. So, again, yeah, a little bit coaching, a little bit lack of focus. But when you see the same things happening, same errors, right? on on these type of breakouts it's frustrating and and it needs to be adjusted it needs to be addressed i mean that's that's the short of it and
0: and i think too is that it's not just on the forwards right to like i think everyone will just say oh like why don't they just have like the forward stop blowing the zone or
1: Oh, it's, it's like, it's, like it's all I five guys it, on the ice. I think
0: five. it really is. And, and they've talked about it a lot in their, in their media availability is connecting all three zones. And that's really what they're trying to do. Right. But it, it, it the strategy is in itself said in what they'll call the strategies connect or their model, connect all three zones. That starts with puck retrievals on defense.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: right now, and we'll get into his 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 specific uh attributes that he's bringing to the lineup later but right now we're seeing how effective a guy like Timothy Lilligren actually makes or or how big of a difference he's making to the team um he it's so i can't i honestly can't describe how nice it is to see a right shot to, i know it's just 3 games right but how nice is it to see a right shot defenseman be able to take the workload off Riley on puck retrievals? It honestly is so good. I know Brody has done it for a few years now since coming in and he's done a, a great job. He's been a great partner for Riley. And obviously for, for, for obvious reasons, he's had to move off that pair. But right. what Tim, Tim, Timmy has done, I'm no, just going to call him Timmy for now, but <laughs> what Tim, what Timmy has done is he's come in and just made it look easy. Now he had a blunder last night, the puck, he fanned on a puck and, and, and look, it's, it's still, and those errors are still ending up in the Leafs net right? At the, right at the, like some sometimes you, you don't, you don't even realize that because it doesn't end up in the net, but we focus on it because it it was a goal, but Mm -hmm. he showed he's shown up and he's done exactly what this blue line was missing. He's defending the blue line very well. He's not allowing a lot of controlled entry, something that Riley has a problem of doing. Riley tends, Riley gives up the blue line. Like it's handy on Halloween. Oh, you want to come in, come in our zone. No problem. Right. That's one of Morgan's faults. And I really do think that this has been something that the Leafs need to focus on. Well, well, I'll steer away from Lilligren in a second. And just to go back to like a guy like Justin Hall, who lately has, or b- before this kind of homestand, he's looked very uncomfortable to put it lightly with the puck. Right. And, and Keith said it a few, during the road trip is that if the defense is not making clean breakout passes, we're not going to, we're going to struggle. And you got to be able to move the puck up the ice. And I think that until we like until this defense starts getting into a groove of being able to shake off four checkers and make that first pass, we're gonna continue to see these types of issues. And and to just you you talked about coaching, so I'll just talk about the the other prong of of what could be leading to this issue is personnel, right? And right now you have a guy. Uh, like rasmus sandin who's playing the right side
1: okay, he's playing his offside
0: he's playing his offside you got a guy like justin hall who struggles to move the puck right so right now that's
1: two-thirds two, of your right two, side yeah, are kind yeah, of in trouble yeah yeah, yeah. exactly
0: right so yeah. and and this gets back to and this is how we're getting into the issues of why the leafs struggled in the playoffs before against teams like boston because not to make this into a bigger thing than it than it needs to be right now, but we and we've talked about this before. Is that look in an eighty-two game season, teams teams like like uh, who's coming in Friday, Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Yep. Pittsburgh's playing Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming in Friday for a game right now. They're playing Washington, so you know what? Maybe Pittsburgh has like three analysts that are that are four analysts, let's call it, on their team. I don't know how many, but let's just call it four. Right now, if they have four analysts, three of them have been focused on Washington up until the time of this recording. And maybe one of them has, like, looked at the way that the Leafs are playing to kind of prep that scouting report for Friday. Right. When it's playoff time, it's all four are looking at your team.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. So so they're focused in.
0: A playoff series is all about finding weaknesses, and exploiting them. In the right. past, the Leafs' right side has been a, t- a place to target for teams. Boston exclusively ex- – I'm not kidding. Exclusively would dump it in on the right side. Right. So who was, who is on that right side? Ron Hainsey, Nikita Zaitsev, mm-hmm. Travis Dermott. Guys Andy that Duffy.
1: struggled to collect the puck and, and move it up. Retrieve the, the puck and part. move it, Retrieve it up. Retrieve and move it up, yep.
0: And, yep. and it is so easy to go in, force either a turnover or at least hold that puck in the zone to until the other four checkers get in. And where I think that these this Leafs team needs to focus on is that people are going to say, oh, you lost Jake Muzzin. You need to go find another strong, heavy-hitting defenseman. Like I, th- I honestly think there's people out there that think that Ilya Labushkin would be the guy to come in and and be that addition that, that Jake, that fills the void of, of Jake Muzzin. Well, oh, that,
1: that, and that exists. It 100% exists. And, but, and that, and that to
0: me scares the living daylights out of me because one, how bad do you think Jake Muzzin is? I, 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 that's a, that's a slap in the face to Jake because people, what people fail, I think fail to realize most about Jake is his ability to do what we're talking about. Right. Get, get back, retrieve the puck, and make an easy play to get you pointed in the right direction.
1: Yeah,
0: And it's too early to talk about trade targets. We're not going to get into that, but you said it too, for Sergio, and we'll kind of button up this, they're, they're, the X's and O's part of this podcast on this, is that I really do think that in a month or so, Dubas is going to start looking at guys that can help fill that void on defense.
1: Oh, he's already looking. He better. Yeah, be looking sorry, at or, him <laughs> or
0: sorry, I should me, I should me, I should say like looking to lock pull the trigger. Trade, yeah. Pull the trigger on a trade. Yeah, because I think when we and I'll use this as a transition into the line combinations, and we'll start off with defense first. Then uh, on that note, but I really do think that once you find a way to get Justin Hall out of the lineup, I think that you're 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 starting to think of a defense that can you could feel comfortable going four rounds in the playoffs. Right. And right now, again, it's early, and maybe, Sergio, you have a different opinion, but I really do think that they need to give this riley Lilgren pair a long, long look. Like Give it till Christmas, till the, till the New Year. Say, this is your pair. 44 and 37, you're out there. And really give Lily a look because it, if that does work, What that might change what you're looking for and what trade you're kind of pushing because now you're thinking, all right, well, Lilligren Riley, uh, Lilligren Riley, the other uh, three defensemen you want in your lineup for sure are uh, Brody, Giordano, and Sandine. But now who you go get really factors in on where you think Sandine is best suited, right? If you don't think Giordano is uh, a third pair, def- uh, or more than a third pair defenseman, at least over the course of 82 games, and mind you, I agree with that sentiment. Then you got to look at a Sandine Brody pair, but does that mean that Sandine's going to be playing t- tougher minutes? Okay, if that's the question, then is he ready for that? Right now, I don't think he's shown it.
1: We but you've fight. got, but you've got to be able to answer all of these questions right now. And yeah. you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the part on. Sorry, but you mentioned the part oh. on Lilligren, and I think what's going to happen here by default, because, and I, and I'm going to say by default because you rarely see trades in the NHL before Thanksgiving, and very few before Christmas. That's just, it's just the nature of the way that that impact, that the league impact is. trades impact absolutely. So and and if the Leafs are going to address potentially a replacement for Muzzin, which I think that they will acquire a defenseman at some point this year, you might think of it being an as, as an impact trade. So these trades are harder to make earlier in the season. That's what it is. Teams still think that they're in it. Blah blah blah. All of that stuff. So by default here, I think you're going to have an extended period where Lilligren and Riley are going to be paired up together. See what you have. Hopefully. Riley can get his head out of his ass because he has started atrociously this season. That's my opinion. I don't think it's too harsh. I think he's made a lot of compounding errors himself. I get it. He's an offensive first defenseman, but clean it up a little bit. Right. I think this is probably some of the worst stretch of hockey that we've seen from Riley. And I don't think that's exaggerating in saying that Um, we've definitely seen, seen him play a lot better than what he's done. You know, even if we want to just shrink it and look at you know like the last couple of weeks, but it's been it, it's been a rocky start for him, right? The start of the year. So I'm interested to see how that combination progresses. I think they're going to get a long leash again because of the nature of of what they're facing right now. I'm intrigued though, and and I agree with you about Jordano in 82 games playing extended minutes. Is he better suited for the third line? But I'm telling you something. I'm intrigued only because there's history there of Jordano and Brody playing together at some point. Now, for that to happen, because Brody is a top four defenseman on this team, that means that Gio is pushing up, Brody's going back to the right side. So, what happens then? And the reason why I bring that up is because Jordy Ben now is coming off of injury, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to get some action here, right? You know, Sheldon keeps not going to leave him riding the pine. Got to get him some game action. So I'm going to presume at some point here in the next little while, the next few games, when he's ready to go, I think that you're going to see Riley Lilligren, Gio Brody, Sandine back on the left side, and Jordy Ben on the right side as the third pair. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be for an extended period of time. Because obviously that's going to require Gio probably playing 20, 21, 22 a game. But I'm intrigued by the prospect of seeing how that how that six shakes out.
0: I like the way you think. And I'll tell you why. Now we're now we're just spitballing here, right? But I think this right. is this is leading to a good conversation because we always talk about options, mm-hmm. right? So let's, let's just think, let, imagine we're jotting down some notes here. What pairs do we know out of the five? Let's exclude Justin Hall. Right. Right? Let's exclude Justin Hall. Because they have the cap space to make a move. Mm-hmm. They have. I just did, well, I'll start, before we get into it, I'll start off with what, what kind of room they got, what they're looking at, okay? Right now, with the 12 forwards that they have, Wayne Simmons as the extra, Jordy Bent, like, the current iteration of this lineup when the goalies are healthy. Okay, Murray and Samsonov are healthy. Let's say mm-hmm. Muzzin on IR, LTIR, w- Simmons and Ben as the scratches, and then the four, the twelve forwards, sixty. Right? right, you got two point eight five seven million, or just around two point eight six million dollars in cap space. Okay, so what that means is, if you bring out Justin Hall. Right. And if you just want to bring in that defense, bring in a defenseman and not make any additions to changes to the forward group, Mm -hmm. you got four point eight five seven. So around four point eight six million dollars in cap space to bring in. Right. Now, do I think it's smart that they use all of that space on a defenseman? Probably not. I think what they might be looking at to do is that you look at a defenseman that makes around that money and try and get it half retained. Mm-hmm. And then that allows you to bring in forward group, but that's we'll get into the forwards later. But what I think we need to look at is, is like if we take out Hall of the five defensemen that we know we're going to be playing, what pairs do we know work? Riley Brody, Giordano Lilligren, hopefully Riley Lilligren, mm-hmm. Giordano Hall, uh, Brody.
1: based based on based on past based on so so
0: there's a so so i just named four different pairs of of uh involving the four names that of brody giordano riley Lilligren.
1: right
0: sandian didn't fit into any of those now what (laughs) now what intrigues me is because i'm i'm eventually trying to lead us down a path of do we want a right shot a guy that plays the right side do we want a guy that plays the left side and I think what we should be looking at, Sergio, is especially if they're going to limit Giordano or like throughout this season. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Giordano Brody. I'd be comfortable, especially now seeing how Gio's playing. I think he's been the best defensive defenseman on the team, maybe aside from Brody skating wise. But I think Giordano's been good. If you can find a way to find a really strong partner for Sandine on the right side and allow Sandine to move over to that left side you now and you could find something that's comfortable and that you can trust that would put that third pair air quotes as like one of the best third pairs in the league to the point where you could be looking at them as like i don't have to shelter these guys if they have to get caught in the defensive zone i'm fine with them right then you're looking at well, the other four, D, any combination of the four works, so we're not worried because we know that Lilligren-Riley work. We know that uh, Riley-Brody work. We know that Giordano-Lilligren work, and we know that uh, Giordano-Brody work. That's every combination of the four. So that could really put the defense situation into a really strong position going forward. Right. So we don't have to get into names, but I think that just – that was just an overall good discussion on where I think we, where we both think the defense could be leaded, uh, leading towards because at the end of the day, Jordy, Ben is going to get a run here. We're not comfortable if he's in the, if he's get in game one of the playoffs, but what he, what he, him coming in could do is allow you to try one of those other four pairs that we mentioned to give them a run and just get, garner information, right? Before Christmas, regular season hockey is just about garnering information. So Mm -hmm. let's, let's try it out. Hopefully we see that. But now I want to transition into the forwards. And I mentioned that cap space. Let's start off with the obvious. Cause I got a shit list. (laughs) And, (laughs) and a team member of ours, Amanda, she's going to be upset with us or, or she'll, she'll be upset with me. She already is. I've 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 given I've said my piece in the group job. Right. Like I'm just gasping, just thinking of disappointment. What is Alexander Kerfoot doing on this team? Besides being average at everything. He's versatile. I'll give him that. Okay. And you know what? He's played, he's played pretty good. But right now. I'm going to, I'll look it up, but I think he's got one goal so far in the, in the correct me if I'm wrong, I'll pull it up. I should have these stats ready. I'm sorry guys, but he, he to me is struggling to really cement himself on a line. And that to me is, is death that you, you, the, it's it i'm really struggling here Sergio. It, it
1: it, it is death. look i mean let's call a spade a spade alex kerfoot doesn't have a spot on this team beyond this year and i understand that that there's cap space and all that stuff going in next year and if they really wanted to they can bring him back but the time is ticking with kerfoot and when you look at this team and you want to think about the playoffs right you know because that's what we need to think about at the end of the day and looking at areas of this team where you're going to want to make some changes at some point, Michael Bunting is going to be put back on the first line, okay? I, I don't think he's married to the third line for the rest of the season. 100%. So he's, he's going to get a shot to go back with Matthews and Marner. And I don't know, maybe we'll get into the point about splitting up Matthews and Marner and why they haven't done yeah, it Yeah, we'll already, get, in, we'll get anyways, into that, yeah. But Michael Bunting is going to be skating beside Austin Matthews again at some point this year, which is going to move Kerfoot to what? Second line? to no, Nick it's Roberts gonna and down it's going to bump them down to the third line so here's here's the issue when you look at the team the way that it's currently constructed so we're going to get to the playoffs again at some point and again this is not about going out and finding a player okay who's going to come in and fight everybody and throw a thousand body checks a game when people talk about teams that play heavier it's not about acquiring a six foot five 260 pound guy that's going to throw everybody around because heavier doesn't necessarily talk about the weight. It's just a style of play, right? So we all understand that conceptually what playing heavier is. You cannot go into the playoffs with a team currently constructed that has Kerfoot, Robertson, and Malgin all skating. I don't care what lines that they're skating on. It just it doesn't work for me, right? It's, it's fine for the regular season. But at some point, this is a stuff that you have to address. So I think personally that Kyle Dubis is back. Sorry, there. sorry, just to, just to jump in. Yeah, you forgot go. a
0: name, you forgot a name there. He doesn't suit the body type of the guys you just mentioned, but he plays
1: right. like them. <laughs> okay. We'll get to we'll get we'll get to Ingval in a second. Oh, I'm about okay, to Okay, <laughs> thank you. You're go stretching ahead. it out of my mouth, right? Because here's Ingval, right? He's the six-foot, you know, 230-pound, you know, six foot five, two hundred and thirty-pound Greek God. That, 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 guy,
0: that guy would show if that guy didn't play hockey, he'd show up to he, he'd, <laughs> what makes me ugh, he, he'd show up to a bar in Toronto, not he 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 could be a frickin the, the, the most meaningless job that you can imagine look like that. Right. And he would mow the lawn of any Toronto Maple Leaf Blue Jay <laughs> Raptor, any professional athlete at, at Croc Rock. You remember, it, it just, you, it, you, like that place. Yeah, he would. Yeah. That he would walk in and clean up. Yeah, he would. But, but by God, is he is he allergic to contact? He, oh. he,
1: like very much so. So, you've got those three smaller players, okay, and then Sasquatch that plays like like mini me on the ice. It just doesn't work, right? So when we're when we're, you know, let, let's circle and tie everything in when we're talking about potential trades, amount of cap space that the team has. I think Dubis is sitting back saying, okay, well, it's it's not just a little, you know, when everyone's healthy, it's not just a little bit of that freedom that you get from Muzzin being on LTIR. I've got two point, what is it, 2.1, 2.2 million with Ingval, 3.5 million with Kerfoot. I think that all comes into play. And that's not me suggesting that these guys are going to yield something in return in a trade, they become pieces that you're trading in addition to your picks and other assets, you know, uh, when you're making a trade to try to offset some of that salary. So I think that the Leafs are already looking at those two guys. I don't think those two guys are on the team come the playoffs. That's my opinion. Maybe that's just being hopeful. I mean, I hope they're not on the team because I, I, I don't see what impact that they could bring at this point. I think we've seen enough of them. And yes, I mean Kerfoot had statistically a good playoff last year. Okay, Frustrated. and the year
0: and the year before and, and the year before, season. but again, but that's, good, that's even strength points. But like what we're what we're talking about is it's fit right now. It's and, fit and it's and, all and about fit. They're gonna look. We say this all the time. This is an evergreen statement that we always make. They're gonna be just fine if they plug Kerfoot beside Tavares and Nylander for the rest of the playoffs, they'll get their 100-plus points. Bunting will get up to that top line again. The bottom six will figure it out with Camp, Aston Reese, and Malgin, who I I actually think that's been the best line, most consistent line, since they came home from the California trip. Okay. They got the fourth line that is still trying to, is struggling with Engvall at center, and Krook, who's still kind of finding his way and all that stuff. But right now, I look at, money that you're making and what you're bringing. I know we're like whatever 14 games in or whatever we are. What are we in?
1: Doesn't matter. Yeah. it's now 14. Okay. It's it's like okay. it's like we Four, said weeks six, ago. Six, it's hundreds seven. of games, you know, with yeah. with, with
0: this. So I am talking about the line configurations yeah. So yeah, no, a smaller sample with those guys, but right. 7.75 million between Kerfoot, Engel, and Hall. Right. All three on expiring deals. Yep. Yeah. So this is This is where I turn to a guy like Dubas and I say exactly this. As, and I'm thinking this as – I'm putting myself in the shoes of Shanahan. You won Calder Cups with two of the three guys that I just mentioned. You traded Nazem Kadri for the third guy right. that you didn't win a Calder Cup with. Right. That was the third guy that you signed. You traded for him. He was a piece that you brought in. And you signed him to a four-year deal at 3.5 within a week of trading for him. Mm-hmm. These are guys that if you are going to stay loyal to them and you don't, and you're like, these are my guys, I trust what they bring to the team. If this is, I'm putting the words in Dubas' mouth now, but right. he says that, and I, I trust Engvall, I trust Hall, I trust Kerfoot, you, and and they fail. Like they did in the Tampa Bay series, mm-hmm. all through, right? Not Hall necessarily, but Engvall and Kerfoot specifically in forward depth, because your stars went toe to toe with the the back to back Stanley Cup champs and arguably outplayed them. It was right. the bottom part of the lineup that failed them. If that happens again, I'll I'll have no other as a Dubis supporter throughout his year term tenure here. I won't be able to sit there and and just and and defend them.
1: No, there's nothing a, to defend, as, as you strong, can, but that strong, can't be it. That, yeah. It just it, but, but it can't be it. I, I, it, it I would be, be,
0: I would be, I would be able to forgive, a not, I, okay. I can't say forgive a loss, but I would be, I'll, let's just say, I'll say angry. I'll be more angry if he stood by these guys and they failed again with the bottom of the lineup, not the top guys. I don't, I'm not, I'm not bringing the top guys into this. I'm talking about the, the the other guys that don't necessarily have the skill or the talent to justify constantly trusting them
1: i'm i'm pissed off that it's 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 happening now now i understand why it's happening again this goes back it's early in the season Mm -hmm. you were either making those changes in the off season and i'm not suggesting that you know i'm not here i'm not going to start throwing crap out there we don't know i don't know if he tried to to make a trade and this isn't the muzzin
0: thing too right like this isn't this isn't where people are saying like the the people that were saying, oh, why didn't they look at trading Muzzin? How did you not know he was gonna get hurt? They very clearly tried to move Muzzin.
1: No I'm one sure wanted him for, for that
0: injury. What yes. is curious to me is that I really do think that they could have found a trade partner for a guy like Kerfoot. Maybe not Angval because he was an RFA, but Kerfoot, right. for example, he had fifty one even strength points last year, three point five million dollars uh, on the cap, but seven hundred and fifty uh, league making league men in salary.
1: No, absolutely. not. but I think that's a tradable asset. That it is tradable, that they, but I think Dubis's so, stubbornness in the offseason on that particular player, on that one player, I think existed.
0: That are we talking about he, Kerfoot here? We're talking about so we're Kerfoot. This, yeah. Okay. We're talking
1: about Kerfoot. So I think that in him specifically, Dubas was happy to keep him. I, I truly believe that. But no, now I believe that, yeah. that we're, we are now into the season. Okay. We're here. We're at the point that we're at. I think it's crystal clear at this point, enough is enough. At some point, you're going to have to make a change. And when we're talking about impactful things and what this team needs going forward, if you truly believe, if you truly believe in that office that your team is a Stanley cup contender, which to me today, they are not. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. I do not think that they're contending for a cup right now because I'm seeing a lot of the same shit. That we've seen in previous years. So you now are in that driver's seat. I get it. Even with Muzzin on LTIR, we've addressed it. There's There's not an infinite amount of cap space on this team. So you've got to be creative. They have to go out and they have to acquire the right pieces. Now, is that an impact defenseman? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not needed. Again, this goes back to what you and I just said. They've got to try out. They've got a little rope here to try out some of these pairs to figure it out. So, do you need a third pairing guy, or do you truly need a top four guy? Okay, the
0: defense is less concerning than the forwards for me to a degree. Right now, a degree. Right now, okay.
1: When, again, we're 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 touching upon Jordy Ben. I don't know truly what he's going to bring. He's not. He's nothing more than a third pairing guy, but. An opportunity to get him in the lineup, like we talked about before, to see if one of those other pairs, you know, can really stick, giving a little bit more length to Lilligren and Morgan Riley playing together again. If Morgan Riley can get better. But this team drastically needs to upgrade something in the bottom six. And I've got a trade target in mind. Okay. I would
0: say the I would say the middle six. Like I think that second line wing spot is something that they need to look at too, Sergio. But is I that- want
1: to see Robertson also get get yeah, continue yeah, to I, get a little bit right?
0: before you get into this trade target, because I am intrigued about what, what what you might say is that right now we're seeing the same thing about the reluctance and we'll get maybe get into this a little earlier. I know we're a little bit short for time, but we're getting into um the fact that they're not they're he's very reluctant in and he being Keith to split up Marner and Matthews. Right. Which is thus and look, that that Tavares, uh, Nylander combo has been deadly actually recently, was, and maybe that's yeah. correlated to at five on five. I'm I'm focusing on five on five, right? Then maybe that's correlated a lot to the play of John, and John's been a lot better, and Willie's been a lot better. But if you're not willing to split them up, and I said this at the very first podcast of this season, you have to make that second line work. I'm willing to give Robertson a run there. He deserves a run. But at playoff time, I don't think that you're going to be able to trust him to play up in the lineup and be as impactful. So if that means that you acquire someone older and better and whatever and more reliable, then and that pushes Robertson to a third-line scoring role with the yarn croak and insert name here maybe another trade deadline acquisition. And then you still have that Aston Reese camp Malgin line. Now you're starting to talk about a forward group that this, that we can really rely on. And that's four lines that have an identity. You have a third line with, with shooting talent and Robertson and Yarncroke who uh, maybe has to be sheltered a little bit offensively and defensively, but you're not, you can expect some depth scoring there. And you got, got limited got a, a second, and then you got a second line with that is playing like a first line, like it is intended to, and then you still have your Which first line, right? But I'm saying on a more consistent basis, not with someone not named foot.
1: I get because, it, but you've got you've got limited. That's the bullets type of thing we're looking and, at. You do, no, you I, do. They have limited bullets, right? So, and and this comes down to We we can talk about a, a hundred different trade scenarios. But when it comes down to it, Kyle Dubas is going to have limited bullets, just based on the fact that look, yeah, I mean, you can empty the cupboard, but from a from a prospect standpoint, is the cupboard really full? Do you know what I'm saying? They've got some names that I think the teams would be interested in. Okay, Top and Yemi, stuff it's not, like that. It's
0: not full, but it's, it's 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 it's
1: not empty. It's not full, so you're going to like, have look, to they utilize. Got the-
0: they got the leading right. score in the OHL right now. No, I get it. There's
1: like, there's there's got, there's guys that other teams are going to be interested in. I I'm, I'm not going to yeah. I'm going to sit here and shit Aside my, from the
0: obvious, aside, aside from,
1: the, from obvious. the obvious. I'm not going to sit here and shit on the Leafs prospect. Now, could Nick Robertson possibly enter the discussion as as a trade potential to acquire that upgraded left winger? Maybe, but again, we've got a cap situation. I think right now the way that I look at this team and the way that it's constructed, okay? we've mentioned names that I'd like to see come out of the lineup. You've got to acquire different players to come in and play. I think right now, personally, or I would love to see an addition is in the third line center spot. Mm -hmm. I, I would love it if it was a true blue center that came onto this team. And when we talk about what do you want to add to this team that could possibly push it in that direction to get over the top of the playoffs, talk about playing heavy, we talk about being defensively responsible. We also talk about the third line, wanting to chip in offensively every now and then at the beginning of the season, I had toyed with the name that I've now toyed with, with a couple of years in Patrick Kane, because I was like, you know what? The American bring him in, unite him with Matthews. It's great. I think I looked at the wrong name. And now as I'm going back over Chicago, I'm like, you know what? If you really wanted to make a statement on this team, and there's a guy that you're gonna go and acquire and have salary retention and all that stuff. It's not Patrick Kane. It's Jonathan Tapes because he's healthy. He's rejuvenated. He's playing pretty good hockey again. He's in the last year of his contract. So it fits the exact same trade scenario as Patrick Kane where you gotta go get him. He's gotta waive his no trade clause or no movement, whatever he has. You're gonna to have to do salary retention but tell me how much you like this team if you inserted that guy onto your third line, that guy onto your second power play, that guy when the Leafs are shorthanded killing a penalty. That's a leader. That's Team Canada right there. That's the guy that I'd be looking at. That's the impact trade that they've got to make at the end of the day. That's my opinion. It's one guy, but that's the type of guy that this team needs. There's an opportunity to go get a guy like that.
0: There definitely, there definitely is, and they can make that money work, if, even if it's double retention, kind of like they did with Foligno. Exactly. but
1: Three-team trade.
0: Yeah. Yep. yep. So, look, I, I do like the idea. I like the idea of a, a, a third-line center. People have mentioned Bo Horvat as well. You're probably paying a higher price for Bo Horvat than you are Jonathan Taves. Uh, yeah. But actually, who knows? We, th- 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 the problem is that we'd never – The point
1: know. is to it's get these guys out of the lineup that we're talking about, Ant, to, to – to, extract yourself of a Kerfoot and an engval. you need other bodies coming in. and well, that's yeah, well, that's So a, like you can move well, engval out today to bring Wayne Simmons into the lineup. How you're not, you you're, no, no the, the, I agree. The with net gain you. is nothing, right? That's, that's why, that's why I think we need to
0: talk about these, these sort of impact names because what we're, what we we focus on the, ter- the term identity. And right now that line, that bottom six line that doesn't have camp Kerfoot at camp, uh, camp and aston reese on it right now and malgan that line doesn't have an identity that Angball, yarn croak and bef- uh Ro- wait what who's on that line is it robertson or kerfoot or bunting because they had bunting there recently bunting, yeah, yeah like that yeah. line isn't like i don't to me nothing's happening on that it's a line nothing line right now it's a nothing line when they're going against the third line or the whatever line against Tampa, against Florida, against Carolina, against Boston. Nothing I don't expect that line, excuse me, to win their minutes. I can expect I can expect I can expect the camp line with Aston Reese and Malgin to go out against a second line of another team or whoever and shot them down. Yeah. And 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 yep and play at a net zero. That's a mm-hmm. line that I'm okay with when camp is on the ice. I'm like, if nothing happens here, I'm okay. Right. Or, or at least push the puck into the offensive zone. So when right. we change, we're, we're, we, Keith talks about, and I, I like to think of, of hockey this way too, is that when you have a shift, are you leaving the game in a better scenario than when you came on the ice? Right. And camp, that camp line has had a great knack for, doing that lately starting in the d zone pushing mm-hmm. the puck up to the O zone. right The angval line is just a whole lot of nothing right now it's a whole lot of perimeter it's a whole lot no one's getting to the middle of the Zulch. ice. and right now if we're gonna give robertson a run on that top line again if we're again we're assuming that he will get that chance that kerfoot angval yarn croak line like look yeah like they make a lot of money but This is a perfect, th- those three are a perfect example of mainstream media saying, Oh, the Leafs need to trade a big guy so they could spend more money on their bottom six. Like the amount of money of a cap hit of a player does not correlate to the quality that they can bring on the ice, Absolutely. especially when they don't have an identity. Like, right. put it, for example, that Kerfoot, uh, Angval Yarncoke line would be, I believe, like seven combined, like seven plus million dollars mm-hmm. in cap hit, but I don't have jack shit faith that they would do anything not right you might as well have a minimum league minimum cap guys on the on that line Mm -hmm. so now where I think that and and we can kind of close it off here is that they need to start looking at guys that make can make impacts and to offload these contracts to make room like a Jonathan Taves like a Bo Horvat like someone else that can step in and bring an identity to a line and it doesn't have to be fit even physically it could just be like a scoring talent how kind of like Brandon Hagel like comes in to a Tampa lineup Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul right guys that come in they weren't expected to be star performers but they were expected to go out and win their minutes and if they they absolutely did when they were playing the Leafs, when they were playing the Rangers, when they were playing, I forget, Florida, right? Those guys came in and, and were impact players. Right now, Kerfoot and Engvall can't do that in the playoffs. I know we talk about Kerfoot's point production in the Montreal series. And, like, at the end of the day, that was Kerfoot playing with Nylander and whoever, I forget it was, maybe Galchenyuk, right? against like a Montreal team team who, yeah, they went to the cup final, but they were shit. Right. Like I have, you have to assume that the Leafs first round opponent this year is going to be a Boston is going to be a Florida is going to be a Tampa is, is going to be a Buffalo. It might like, you you know what I mean? Like teams that are going to be better than that Montreal team. That right. they That Kerfoot had that seven game stretch. Right. And I'm not willing to rely on that seven game stretch again and and think that he can reproduce that on a line that doesn't include William Nyland. So overall, I think that we can just say that they need to find at least another defenseman and at least another forward and hopefully make that trade early enough where we can see how that goes maybe before the deadline and then maybe it's a third additional piece or maybe some like leave yourself some leeway to a point where you can if you have to make an additional trade then you can and i think when we talk about a guy like jonathan taves man would that be a hell of an impact you would have to hope that he'd be willing to to wave is no
1: move to get to come. Yeah, You'd hope so. I mean, I'd like to think that a guy in the last year of his contract, I mean, even if Jonathan Taves, you know, as, as a good old Canadian boy has absolutely no interest of playing in Canada, you know, or, Oh my God, I don't want a a, you know, a a lengthy run in Toronto. You don't need a lengthy run, buddy. we need you for three months, you know, four months that that's all it is. You can, you can go play for whoever the heck you want next year. um, Give up the assets to get a guy like that. Um, again, I don't know how rich you know of, of, of an asset-laden deal that that would be. I mean, I'd assume that it's still going to cost you a first and mm-hmm. some level of prospect. But that's that's the type of player that I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about going out and acquiring guys that play heavy, that have had success, that are still relevant, right? Because that's all important. Can't just go on completely on past history. They still have to be playing the game at a reasonably high level. He is still this year um, on, you know, a very weak Chicago team, you know? So I, I I think that um, that's, that's relevant to this point. Now I'm not, you know, like insert other names that you want to insert. And, and there's other things that, you know, other, other areas that they're going to need to address ultimately at the end of the day, that, you know, if I am Dubas, that's the type of swing you're going to have to take this year. Like it's, it's that level of swing that needs to be taken to bring in a player like that. That is the only hope of this team, in my opinion, getting over that hump short of something like that. If you're just doing the little, little knickknack stuff at this point, I don't think it's going to make a difference.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Right. They, it, it, we, you're not moving in for, to, to kind of put it in one, in one sentence, you can't move a Kerfoot and an angle to bring in a call, another call in Blackwell. Right. You you make that, you, you uh, look love the player. He is such an easy guy to root for, but Jake Muzzin being on LTIR right now could very well be what the team needed to kind of feel comfortable to go and make that big
1: splash. Right. Unfortunate and circumstance, it, but you've a, got to a, take advantage of it's it. It's a
0: it's a terrible sir. It's a terrible circumstance. And 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 look, I said at last year is that when he got that concussion in Montreal when the, that knee hit his head. Mm-hmm. Right? And he had back to back concussions. It, it's and look, kudos to him. He came into the playoffs and played admirably. But they really could have made a, a, another addition if if he was going to be out for the rest of the season. Right. So they need to take advantage of this now and impact guys are, are some someone that or so, someone that can at least give yourself an identity and allows you to have an identity on all four lines, whether it's a Jonathan Taves, whether it's a Bo Horvat, whether it's like, I don't know who else, who else, who else could be. I said, Max told me before, but like someone that could just come in and just like add a scoring punch, add a physical punch, add a, a leadership punch in any way, is better than the money that they're spending on Engvall and Kerfoot, and you're likely gonna lose both players in free agency anyways. So to to those <laughs> you're to, walking
1: to, away from the man. To, you're not to losing those, them. You're those, walking away from them. Yeah,
0: to like they won't be. It's not an asset. No, beyond this year. So no. that's why I would to I I say that because there are people out there like like our friend Amanda who 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 loves Kerfoot, and and I don't like everyone's allowed to love their player, right? right? But I, I just think that on, from a, ho- a pure hockey perspective that we need to look at, at, at shipping them out for something and Engvall as well for something that's more tangible and especially with the added cap space. Like I'll end it off here, Sergio. You Right now I'm looking at this team on cap friendly and if you remove Hall, Kerfoot and Engvall's salaries along with Jake Muzzins on LTIR. You have $10.6 million in space to fill, uh, let's call it a third line center position or second line winger, like a a middle six impact forward Mm -hmm. and a fourth liner. And let's call it a a four or five defenseman. So like a Josh Manson type guy that uh, addition that uh, Carol that Colorado made last year.
1: They have got the ability to make to get this done. They, so, have, so you they have the have salary flexibility with, with the guys that you're talking about that we think should be out of the lineup and LTIR with Jake Muzzin. And to end your point, because you, you mentioned Max Domi's name. So before yeah. we shift here, because I know that we're going to get to the end here and we want to touch upon the goalies, Max Domi. So when, when I talk about players that can play heavier, okay, that don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to be big guys to play heavy, and why I'm so anti-Max Domi, the last six games, zero hits. Zero hits. Look, so – Can you believe I, that statement, I, though, that I, I, I just you, made? You know, for no, you for would, how we view it. Max Domi, because as Leaf fans, we're tied to Ty Domi in our head. The guy has thrown zero hits in the last six games has one blocked shot in those last six games. Not the answer. That's all I'm gonna. I beat this drum last year and I beat this drum this year. If we think that the magic potion is to get Max Domi to Toronto and suddenly he's gonna, you know, rejuvenate himself and and you know start playing with juice and jam, you have it or you don't. Doesn't have it, my opinion. Doesn't have it. Yeah, Jonathan Taves, though, he got it. He's got it in spades.
0: So, so I'll, 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 I'll concede on that. Like, I, I obviously don't like to see that kind of stat line, especially from a guy like Max. But to me, it's just like I, I only throw out his name because I think he's got a, a screw loose and he can definitely fight. I know but, he does By the
1: way, Jonathan Taves is not throwing the body this year either. Eh? I'll just yeah. So, as <laughs> he's so, so not. But. Look,
0: and, and 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 we shouldn't get lost in the fact that like on that on a hit counter, right? We know that the hit counter
1: <laughs> right.
0: is. is is kind of bullshit. Would you believe that Pierre Engvall has 13 hits in 12 games this
1: year? Did, did he throw, did he throw the hits on himself?
0: Yeah. So, so that <laughs> so I don't know if it's the most reliable status. I've, I've just, I've, we're half joking, but like the, the point is, is that we, we just, it's gotta be someone who has a proven playoff scoring resume. With so, track record. With, with track, track record. record. Yeah. So let's transition spe- speaking of track record to the goalies
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we'll we'll let, let's uh for the sake of time let's not be uh we don't need to go too in depth with it because we actually have some good news and i'll start off with this is that matt murray is expected to uh be back and healthy and in the lineup uh sometime this week. And sheldon keith said i know matt said in his press conference he's taking it day by day but he took a full practice today he's been skating for a, a long uh, a long time right I find it a little weird that as soon as Samsonov becomes week to week, Matt Murray all of a sudden is on the cusp. Right. But I think it it could be it could have been way worse because right now we're looking at Samsonov who skated again, back-to-back days. It, it, I find it very weird. There's got to be something capital. I, every time there's something weird with the roster, I always defer to what the hell is Brandon Pridham up to? Because if... Uh, Samsonov is week to week. He hurt himself on Wednesday, Saturday. Right. He skated. He missed the off day, right? Obviously, but two days later, he's on the ice for a skate on the morning skate on Tuesday. On Wednesday, he's skating again before practice. So,
1: that well, what's the game? He, That's what I'm trying to think. So, so, are you, so, are you are you are you gaining any cap space by them not playing? You gain the roster spot, right? Him him going on
0: IR allows them to call up Petroselli. Right. So so that's fine. They don't they like what where it this becomes interesting is that if he wasn't hurt that bad, if he wasn't hurt enough like Murray to go on LTIR. Right. Then you're looking at okay, well, then if they and if they don't have cap space, then they have to do the amateur goalie scenario thing. Right. So that's where the roster I'm little, just
1: trying to figure out, Are they can it, it gets, they accrue it, cap space at this point. No,
0: you're not accruing any cap space while in LTIR. Not so, in
1: LTIR, but see, Samsonov is not in LTIR. So that's that's he, why no, I'm asking. No,
0: but I'm saying the team. The team is already in LTIR because Jake is on it. LTIR and Got right okay. Murray's on LTIR. So they haven't been gotcha. accruing any cap space right now. But Murray or Samsonov going on IR only allows the roster spot to be freed up for you to allow for. The team to allow a goalie call-up.
1: So, so they get the goalie call-up, but let's listen. It's nothing. Let, let's call really. a spade a spade here. That this team, look, I don't think there's any funny business going on. I think that it's a blessing in disguise, given how we all felt in the moment that the Samsonoff injury happens. Because I I mean, I guess it looked a lot worse than than what the ending result it, it, is. It looked pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's skating on back to back days, and now Murray coming back. It, look, if you would have, it, if Murray wasn't skating right now, and Samsonov was was going to be out truly for three to four weeks. Someone said
0: four to six weeks. Well, whatever it was, right? Yeah.
1: So, and and you're thinking, and I'm thinking in myself, the prospect of Shogren needing to run for twelve or fifteen games. I, bruh, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than that, because, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to put him down, but again, this goes back to what we're saying: third or fourth, you know, best goalie on the team that's not the guy you want running, you know, to, you know, a dozen games in net.
0: Yeah. Keith said it best. You don't, no team feels comfortable Absolutely when not. their top two goalies are down and their right. third goalie who they've been drafting and developing for the last six years is also injured and hasn't took training camp, hasn't took full team practices and Joseph wall, right? You're not going to feel good about your fourth goalie no. having to run for 12, having to run the table. No. 12% of your season.
1: Absolutely not. So the timing of Murray getting back uh, could cannot be any better. Um, you know, especially given the fact that we got a back to back this weekend. So that means that your fifth yeah. string goalie would have likely <laughs> needed to start. Do you know. think
0: do you think he gets the Pittsburgh game or do you think he gets the Vancouver game?
1: So if Murray's ready to go, I I think they'll probably give him the Vancouver game. Um probably, yeah. that, That's what I would do again. Why? uh because you know it's a back-to-back tougher game the night before I think that Murray's rested you know maybe he I'd like you know if enough practice time comes in is he sharp enough maybe sharp enough maybe sharp enough for Vancouver do you know what I'm saying yeah um I mean both of these games are at home so Leafs aren't traveling so that's that's kind of kind of a bonus right um, I'd probably start Murray against Vancouver. Now, having said that, if he's ready to go, keeps going to start him against Pittsburgh and do the exact opposite of what I'm saying because coach knows best. So um, it is what it is, you know, from, you know, at that standpoint, but they don't, don't have. Hope... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was no, just going to say they don't
0: have, they only, they don't have a back-to-back until two weeks from now. Like for, for like uh, ne- the next week, they don't have a back-to-back. They got Pittsburgh Tuesday away they got Jersey at home Thursday, and they got right. Buffalo at home Saturday. Saturday, and then another day break Islanders, another day break Jersey, mm-hmm. and then you go into a back to back Minnesota Pit. So maybe they're hoping that Samsonov is back for that that kind of stretch. Mm-hmm. But even if shalgren has to go for a game there, you're 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 fine. You're, the whole point is that we're just worried about the idea of shalgren going. For yeah, multiple every weeks, every multiple exactly. weeks, right? Yeah. Or Petri- can get even Petrozelli. even Petrozelli, right? Like, look, Petrozelli was a third-round pick. I think he's got the profile to be a good goalie. Yeah, I really, I,
1: think- I would love to live in a world where he does not start a game for the Leafs this year. Yeah, I, I'd be no, 100%. very happy with that. So,
0: and I think that if we if we want to end off on this, because just because I I always like to give Dubas flowers when I can, is that <laughs> we he really rebuilt this this goaltending. Pipeline, and in the and and let's take away the fact that Matt Murray has played a single only one game this season, right? And so even if you take away the fact that Samsonov has played brilliantly but is now hurt, before we're looking at guys that really like you'll never know until you get to the NHL. You've had there's there's goalies that have have had shit AHL careers and have walked into the NHL and have made have. Made a career of it for a decade. James Reimer is Exhibit A of that. He was mm-hmm. not a good AHL goalie. He comes in, backsops the Leafs to the playoffs, and has been playing in the league for ten years. So, it doesn't necessarily mean that all these goalies are going to pan out. But what we're looking at here is that is some st- strong young goaltending depth. Keith Petraglia is a six foot six goalie. Uh, like went to, I believe he went to Quinnip. I want to say, don't quote me on it. Now I got to look it up. Dolly, a six foot five.
1: So we've lost your audio a little bit, Ant, which is okay. Cause I'm, I'm, I'll jump in while you recollect yourself. Um So Sorry, did, are, I cut, did I cut out cut yeah, out? You cut out just a little bit. It's all good. It's my, all good. my apologies. So no, I was no, saying Luke, worries. Dry, uh,
0: Dryden McKay, reigning Hobie Baker winner, he's in the pipeline. Luke Cavillan, OHL uh, Goalie of the Year, I believe, he's in the pipeline. He plays for the Growlers. Dryden McKay's mm-hmm. having a strong ECHL year. Mm-hmm. Keith, Keith Petrodelli had a strong ECHL year last mm-hmm. year, starting very well with the Marlies this year. Joseph Wall obviously has shown pretty well in his short stint in the NHL, uh, not so good in the AHL. So maybe Joe Wall is that guy that didn't doesn't put up good AHL numbers, but is good in the NHL. Eric shalgren another example of a guy who hasn't had the strongest statistical profile in the AHL. But look, his shave percentage hasn't been good. But from my eye test, shalgren has played relatively well. He's got an SHL Swedish League Championship on his resume. Right. We we couldn't say this about the goalies in the pipeline prior to Dubas's turn. And I think I just, just to end off on that, I think that we have to give him some props to really kind of revamping that room and, and thinking about it a little differently. And and this is I haven't even mentioned the goalies that they got in Europe. They got Hildeby, who's I think it with Farges – I always botch the names, but he's in a he's in a, on a Swedish team and he's doing really right. good. I believe. Yep. Uh, Kyle Cushman or Nick Richard one of those guys on Twitter they do a prospect update every pros- prospect right every week and mm-hmm. he's always talking about uh Hildeby Peksa in the KHL Aktimov Okt- or well, I always botched that name too but he's do- there's there's goalies that are doing well and Aktiamov I think, there we try <laughs> so there so there we we it really speaks to the depth, and I I, I just named off seven goalies,
1: seven eight goalies. That well, you hope that one of them turns into something, you, at some yeah. That, and, 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 it, not mention, that's, and not to mention, and not to mention, Samsonov, who's RFA at the end of this year. Yeah, right. right? These so, and these
0: aren't guys that are thirty; these are no. guys in their mid twenties or young, uh, like right. early twenties. That goaltending these guys kind of these goalies usually hit their stride around twenty five, and most of the goalies I mentioned are well below twenty three. So there's still time there, and right now it just seems like the goaltending position has been in a in a as good a scenario as it could be, without having a guy not na- without having a guy named Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, Sorokin, right. Demko, Markstrom, all those guys like those weren't available, right? And look, Jack Campbell's been struggling in Edmonton. Like he had a strong game against Tampa Bay uh, the night before we recorded this, but I think that we do have to give him props there. Hopefully they can just stay healthy, because we know that they have the ability to.
1: And it was only Matt Murray that was a question mark coming into this. Yeah, year. So yeah, Matt Murray so- lived up to the thing, but but Samsonov does not have an injury history. I mean, not to my knowledge. So this is kind of like freak, freak instance where you're coming into the year and you're like, okay, so Matt Murray does have the injury history. However, you've ended up with a one a one b scenario, and Samsonov he got the ball and he ran with it clearly Um, to the point that I think when both goalies are back that, you know um, I mean, unless Murray really shines here, When he gets back into the lineup and Samsonov's not back for a couple of weeks, maybe Murray gets a run. Wouldn't that be something though? Like we'd
0: like to, we'd love to. But that's
1: what you want. Like, like, and and I'm not rooting against that. I'm hopeful for that because we were, we were contemplating the whole 50, 50 thing coming into the year and who's going to take the ball and run. One gets injured. The other one runs. Now the other one injured and, you know, Murray's coming back. What if Murray starts to shine a little bit? That's a good problem to have. I want both of those guys battling for ice time. The Leafs need it. The Leafs need their goalies to steal games, to steal plays, because, again, of these compounding errors that happen, right? These mistakes that happen. Samsonov saved their ass in a lot of games Mm -hmm. to start the year. Love it if Murray comes in and does the same thing. It's needed. Before any impactful changes come on this team, in the meantime, you need the shit to work, right? And your goalies are a big part of it. Um, so I'm rooting for it. It doesn't matter now. I mean, either you love yeah. the Murray signing or not for whoever's listening, it's irrelevant now. He's here, he's on the team. If you're going to watch, you've got to root that he's going to get back into game action and you've got to root for his success to come back and hit the ground running and, and stop pucks.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think that I'll just end it on this is that and and people can think about this after after they're done listening to this podcast. But Matt, anyone who's going to say, "Oh well, Matt Murray's injured," you could add, and and he makes a little bit less than Jack Campbell. You could add Jack Campbell. How would we be feeling when you're ten or ten games into a five five year contract at five million in the Leafs' scenario? Maybe Edmonton's okay with paying that money because they're they're in win now, and they have Matthews and Drysaddle locked up to. Longer than the Leafs have, Mar- or, sorry, McDavid and Dreisaitl locked up longer to contracts than Matthews and Marner per se. But so I, I can't speak for Edmonton fans, but I know as a Leaf fan, if Jack Campbell was signed to the exact deal that he is on now as a Toronto Maple Leaf, no one would be talking about anything else other than Jack.
1: It would be the loudest In- story. It,
0: it would be it would be the loudest. Look at Kyle. He wasn't able to fix, the, figure out the goaltending again. Yeah. He committed to this guy. You got five more years of this. How you get? Oh, th- that's another first round. Like Brian Hayes loves to t- make Yella Dubas, or and Steve Simmons as well loves to give Dubas shit for trading away first round picks to rid themselves of bad contracts.
1: If Jack Campbell is re-signed to this team, and and I'll echo like this because this is important. Not only would mm-hmm. it be the biggest story right now, Ilya Samsonov would not be on this team. It would have been Campbell and Shulgren only because Campbell's making X number of dollars more would have impeded the Leafs ability, notwithstanding making another trade, right, to be able to have the freedom to sign Samsonov. So I think that Samsonov's likely not on this team. So I think the Leafs ended up in a much better goal. Doesn't matter about the injuries right now, but I still will stay back to I think they ended up in a much better goalie situation the way that it turned out versus had they re-signed Campbell
0: absolutely and they left themselves flexibility so anyways uh it was a great talk sergio i think we did uh we did a fantastic job of just kind of going over everything um we're we're looking forward to what's to come right a lot of good games down the pipe you can you have a chance to really make the a vancouver market panic uh if you give them a beat down on saturday especially in the hall of fame weekend right isn't it you got the Sabines going in, right? Is
1: Bruce Boudreaux fired Sunday morning?
0: I really hope not. I like, I like him. <laughs> oh, I, no, I love Bruce. He's but... funny. He's funny. Um, but. Thin ice I mean, there. Thin ice for sure. Especially with the way that Rutherford's talking in the media. Yep. You got to, ch- it's always nice to see Pitt, uh, Pitt in town with Crosby. You got the hall of fame weekend. It's always great. And then next week, the New Jersey devils, red hot New Jer- New Jersey devils, who I'm sure we'll talk about in, on next week's podcast and the, uh, Leafs uh I guess thorn in their side Buffalo Savers right so it's a lot, <laughs> lot of good teams coming in but a good chance for the Leafs to kind of get rolling here and see them shoot up the standings and close that gap on Boston and uh and Buffalo so uh it was great talking to you Sergio uh again like always uh everyone thank you for listening it's always great to uh t- to talk Leafs and uh it's a, just to do it on a, such a great team. We're, we're super proud of it. So take a listen uh, for this and anything, any other news on our Twitter feed. And uh, I'm sure that we will be chatting soon again, Sergio. So thanks again. Have a great week. Take care, everybody.